Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Jimmy Crane's an improv nerd. Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Crane, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd, and we are sponsored by the Improv-A-Roo Camping Retreat. Now, are you interested in camping under the stars while attending improv workshops with a really supportive, genuine community? Well, if so, then check out the Improv-A-Roo Camping Retreat, taking place February 18th through the 21st at the beautiful Camp Bro Ryan, just north of Tampa. Improv-A-Roo features top instructors from I.O., The Groundlings, The Magnet, and more. Early registration is open through December 31st for only $100. So visit postdinnerconvo.com slash improv-a-roo for all the details. That's postdinnerconvo.com slash improv-a-roo. And if you've always wanted to study with me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning improv workshops and classes, The Artist Low Comedy, here in Chicago, I have two opportunities for you. On January 2nd, I'll be offering my popular two-person scene tune-up one-day workshop that's limited to 14 people at Stage 773 here in Chicago. And then on Wednesday, January 6th, I start my Level 3 Artist Low Comedy level entitled Advanced Ensemble. It's a six-week class limited to 12 people with a long-form performance for family and friends on the last night of class. For information on the two-person scene tune-up or the Level 3 Artist Low Comedy class, you can go to my slick new website at jimmycorain.com. That's jimmycorain.com. And don't forget to check out my new book, The Inner Game of Improv, Five Steps to Getting a Bigger Career in Improv. It's a very short read, and it's only $3.99. It's available as an ebook on Amazon, or you can get it as a PDF off my website at jimmycorain.com. Guess what I got for you? You guessed it. You guessed right. Another great episode of Improv Nerd. But you know what? Think about it. When was the last time we had a dog? A stinker. One that, that really sucked. We haven't. I'll answer the question for you. We haven't. We've never had a bad episode. And today is no exception. I'm so excited. Uh, I've wanted to have this guy on for a long time. He is an international professional wrestler. He is also host of the super popular podcast, The Art of Wrestling. Of course you know who I'm talking about. Mr. Colt Cabana. We talked to Colt about his improv and comedy background. Also, how he found his voice is a wrestler, why it's important to promote yourself, and he does a beautiful job of comparing throughout this episode improv to professional wrestling. Now, if you're listening and you're going, well, he's a wrestler, it doesn't really apply to me. Bullshit. This guy is a performer. He considers himself an artist, and he and you will relate to everything he has to say about wrestling as it applies. It is it applies to improvisation. But before we get to that episode, I have some good news to tell you guys. And you know, I know you're used to me like, oh, this is the part of the podcast where Jimmy gets really dark. He may get really sad or depressed or even angry. But no, today I have some great news. I have to be, I had to be sitting on this or I've been sitting on this for about 11 weeks and it's been really hard for me. But, uh, Lauren gave me the okay to talk about it. Uh, we are pregnant. We are 11 weeks pregnant, and I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, so I, I couldn't uh, talk about it on the podcast. I couldn't even put it on Facebook. But now you guys know we are pregnant. And I'm terrified about it. I am totally terrified, and so is Lauren, uh, to have a child. I'm having trouble sleeping at night. I wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to bed. 
Um, and um, so I'm uh, having a hard time with it. A lot, a lot of anxiety. And as Christmas is coming, it's coming really soon. We go to Lauren's parents in uh, Pennsylvania, and every year they, they do such a great job. They have a big tree, and they give us a lot, a lot of presents, each each of us. And this year, they wanted us to register. Uh, I didn't even know they had these things, but they have these things called baby registers, uh, where you register for gifts for your baby. And um, then you put stuff down on your registry, and then people will give you these gifts. Uh, they may send them to you, or they may have parties. Uh, where they give them to you, and they call those parties baby showers. And uh, her mother and father were like, you know, you, you, you better start thinking about uh, gifts, you know, for Christmas that you want for the baby, like a baby monitor or a baby seat or, uh, you know, bibs or some other stuff, some other toys and stuff like that. And uh, I said, no, I, I don't really want to register right now. Uh, I'd really like this to be, you know, uh, a Christmas that's all about me. I want all the presents that you're going to give me, uh, just, I, I don't want to open a, a, a gift for my baby. Uh, and I know that's selfish, that's really selfish, but I want this, since this is going to be the last uh, Christmas, that it's just going to be Lauren and, and, and myself, and we're not going to have a baby, you know, until uh, next Christmas, I, I want to just take this Christmas in. So I want all the gifts to go to me. And next Christmas or putting it on the baby registry. I'm open to getting baby gifts, but right now this Christmas is all about Jimmy. I know that's selfish, but that's just who I am. Uh, enough about me. Here it is. You're going to love this episode. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding when I say he does a great job throughout this episode. Of it, it, It's the same thing, people. He is an artist. He is an artist. The same thing uh, of improvising or stand-up and wrestling. It's the same damn thing, especially if you're independent and you're not associated with the theater. This, all, all these lessons he talks about applies to you. It does. It does. I'm so excited about that. Maybe it's a combination of having a baby and this episode. Here it is. Enjoy it. The Colt Cabana episode. Thank you so much. I am excited to do this show. I'm, I'm bringing that kind of wrestler energy to this this podcast. I like it. Take do off you? your shirt right now. I will say, I, if I didn't have body image issues, I would. Okay. Can you, imagine how hard it is for a wrestler then? Like, I'm happy. You have I'm, I'm, we all have body issues. What? But but you work out. You're 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 I ripped. Work, I have to because I wrestle in spandex. Okay. My office job is spandex and baby okay. oil. Like you know, so like if I just let myself go, I'm the grossest human being that there is. How often do you work out? I try to work out five days a week. Mm -hmm. You know, usually I'm for the most part I'm on the road three days a week, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Sometimes more, and then I'm in Chicago like four days a week. So I'll try to get the gym four days a week. And then try to sneak one in while I'm on the road. Mm -hmm. And what about what you do? You have to watch what you eat too. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like a special diet? I just uh, I started the, actually I, I just had I just recently lost like 35 pounds. Okay. And I started this my own program that I started called uh, the DES program. Don't eat shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's that's what's working. Like I just I googled it. And I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I don't have my ebook out like you yet. Okay, well, working. Maybe on. we could collaborate on yes, something. Wouldn't yes. that be fun? Okay, so you grew up in Deerfield, Illinois, which is a very Jewish suburb, right? Oi. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you were a, a, a Jewish kid from from uh, Deerfield. 
When did you know you, because I consider you more a performer than a wrestler. Is that is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I guess it's d depending what you look at. I mean, the job title is professional wrestler, but depending how you look at wrestling. I know I saw you talking to some people, and some people said why they love wrestling, the show of it. You know, some people love it for different reasons. Weirdly enough, I, you know, I... I think I loved it more for the sport as a, as a kid, and so like I like the sports aspect of it. Um, but when I recently talked about this in a podcast, when I broke it down, I hated amateur wrestling. Like the idea of amateur wrestling was disgusting. So when you, you mean like high school or college wrestling, Greco Roman Athens, right? Yes. <laughs> Where they give you points and it's a takedown yeah. and you get that awesome. That did nothing for me. So okay. obviously, when you strip down. Pro wrestling, you know, if there's the showman side and the athletic side of it. If, if I say I hate wrestling, obviously then, well, what do I like about pro wrestling? Obviously I love the show part of it, you know, because I hated the, the amateur wrestling. That didn't attract me. So when it. was it that you, you decided, I want to be a performer or I, I can make people laugh? Uh, well, you know, the laughing part, I, I was a silly kid. I was a funny kid. But the, la but the laughing part in my wrestling career didn't come until a couple years into the wrestling career. I was focused on just, like, pro wrestling. So when I saw wrestling as a kid, when I, I you know, I would say my first memory was watching Andre the Giant, and then I look back at the footage, and, I, and you know, now it's easy because you go on the internet. It was, like, 1983, so I was, like, three going on four. I remember Andre the Giant getting his haircut. And so from that moment, like, I was just... Uh, you know, like wrestling was my whole life. I love wrestling. I grew up, I love wrestling. I wanted to be a wrestler. I don't think in my mind I broke it down like performance or sport or whatever. I was just like, I want to be a wrestler. And then as I got into wrestling and I trained to be a wrestler and I was on the road and I, and I learned the job, it wasn't until a couple of years into the job that I started realizing I could put this comedic aspect and, and spin into it. And so that, it really took a couple years into professional wrestling that I kind of became a performer. So there was this sense of like, when you were doing, when you started, like, I can't bring the comedy into the professional wrestling because this is professional wrestling? I don't think I was good enough to bring the comedy into professional wrestling because uh, I didn't know the job, you know, like, like I wasn't a good enough professional wrestler to do the wrestling and then also kind of go out of that world and also bring comedy into it. So when I got good at wrestling, then all of a sudden like I could put the wrestling part on autopilot and then think outside of my actions, right? And I'm sure that's, it's, you, you understand what I'm talking about when you're thinking five steps ahead into a scene or whatnot, mm -hmm. same way in wrestling. You know, when I was starting wrestling, I assume when you start an improv, you're always like in the moment. You know, you want to be. You try to be in the moment. Yeah, yeah, but you're thinking about like, what am I going to do next? I got to right. make I got to agree all the you yeah. all the like the basic stuff. And you go over that in your yeah yeah, and then it, it it becomes second nature. I assume in wrestling it becomes second nature. Same in improv. Right, and so when it became second nature, then I can co go outside of my body. Uh, or the actions in the moment and bring in the performance in the comedy. Now, because you, like, you went to Western Michigan and, yes. you were, and you started to then train to become a professional wrestler, mm -hmm. which I didn't even know there was, like, something out there. Well, people will laugh, like... You, like I'm doing laughing No, they're right not now. laughing, but... Because I, I get that all the time and I, and I have to go, oh, there's a trade school. But I assume... You know, the, it's this, like it's so parallel because when people are like, wait, Second City has a train. You don't just go up on Saturday Night Live. 
Well, you people, don't just go, you know. Or people will say, you, you, what do you teach them in an improv class? Aren't you just making it up? Yes, yes. So it's the same, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. People are blown away that there's a trade school. You go, you get trained. And, like, I guess the difference between the improv and the wrestling world is that I paid a lot of money to get the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> is it, what do they teach you in, in, in They that? teach you how to fall. You know, they teach you the rules, the secret handshakes. Um, because it is... As much, you know, I guess I don't know how much the stage improv is, but like it's not, it's, we try, it's very much like magic professional wrestling where we don't know what it is, but we try to kind of keep it within, you know. You don't want to share your secrets. So there's a lot of secrets that aren't shared unless kind of you pay that money, you know, to Can get Can you trained. give us one of those secrets? <laughs> well, <laughs> just like a real basic secret? Well, in terms of what? Just anything? Yeah. This is where my improv uh, skills. <laughs> if only I could improvise. How about like when you do the thing with the with the, uh, you know, like okay, I'll teach you. Okay, there's, okay. Uh, there's a good. I, I can like I can't do it now because I have clothes on. Okay. This story of my life, right? Um, but yeah, I, I can do a thing where like I would take your fingers and uh, I would like give me your fingers. Okay. Like I could do this. And like I would make a snapping moment, and people would think like I just cracked your fingers, but essentially I would uh, hit like, you know. But I would hit my. And then I would have to react. To yes, it. and that would be selling. Well, so so that that's what they call selling. Yeah. So if you don't react, then you know it's a two-man team. It takes two to tango. Right. So so actually, that's acting. Yes. And is is that taught in the in, in these classes? Of course, that's a skill. Too. Like like if he comes and he hits you over the head, you you need to react, mm -hmm. or the audience isn't going to believe it. And also, like there's levels of reaction too. You know, it's not just like act like you're hurt. You know, like there's because <laughs> there's a a length of a of a match, and it's like you wouldn't be that hurt in the beginning of the match, but you would be more hurt at the end of the match, and you want to show more sympathy towards the end. So there's like a crazy drastic levels of like how much you want to. You know, you want to show um, you're hurting or you're selling or you're. Acting. And do they like when you do like like um, you do like practice gigs, you mm. know, practice uh, you know matches? Mm -hmm. Will they say like, okay, you're gonna lose in this in this match? Is that is and then you're just gonna improvise to that ending? Well, I mean, do you want to just break down the whole thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, tell me everything. <laughs> How do you saw the woman in half? I yeah. need to know. <laughs> um, you know, in, pra in practice, like for me specifically, uh, I, I learned the way I learned. And a lot of times now you'll see a lot of these matches, and they are scripted very well, you know. But the way I learned was, was, a, was a very much improvised way of professional wrestling. Sometimes it would be like, you're the good guy, I'm the bad guy, here's what I want the ending to be, especially in these practice matches. What do they mean by, I'm the good guy, I'm the bad guy? Well, so, you know, in wrestling, we're telling a story, mm -hmm. and the story is usually good versus bad. Very simple, basic story, that's why we all connect to it, right? Exactly, okay. right. We need someone to cheer for, we mm -hmm. need someone to boo, mm -hmm. and that's the, uh, you know, the, the art of the story of getting the crowd to participate mm -hmm. in it, you know? So essentially, if you would come out as you're the bad guy, you okay. want to come out here. You want to, you know, make fun of the, my friend's hair or his glasses or his shirt. And then shit talk you, right? Sure, you want right. to shit, shit talk as much as you can. Okay, yeah. but there is an art to that. But right. essentially, now we hate you. We right. want to see me win. Right. So so you're the underdog. 
I'm the guy that you want to get behind. Okay. Yeah. The, are you the guy that the audience identifies with? Of course. Okay, great. In some kind of way. Okay. And most importantly, but you're, you're, you as the bad guy, you're the guy that everyone hates. Mm -hmm. So we just want to see me beat you. Right. And then there's so many in-depth levels to breaking down all of those mm -hmm. when it comes to good guy versus bad guy. You know, but for this reason, in a practice match, when you're just starting, you're not smart enough to get there yet. Mm -hmm. So in a practice match, you're the bad guy, I'm the good guy, here's what I want for the ending. Tell, you know, tell the story. And it is a lot of improvising. When you show up for a match, mm -hmm. will you know if you're the good guy or the bad guy, or is that totally improvised? Well, for me, yes. Yeah, so somebody will say, yes, you want to know that going into, into the match. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like, you know, because I've kind of cultivated whatever this is, I've been known uh, as a good guy. Uh, kind of, I, I'm the good guy. People know me. People so they're going like to hire me. you as the good guy. I'm hired as the, the good, good guy. Right. Yeah. And it'd be very weird. It's happened. I'll give you an example. Like, I went over to Germany, and the wrestler, his name was uh, Eddie Steinbach, and he was 60 years old. And at, this was last year. And I've rest, I wrestle all over the world as a good guy. But Eddie Steinbach, Steinbach in this part of the world has like five championship belts and like he thinks he's the king of the world and like he doesn't know anything about anybody else anywhere but he had heard the name Colt Cabana so he's like oh we'll bring in Colt Cabana and then I came in and he's like you're the bad guy tonight everybody loves me and so it was very weird for me because it's not something I, I do but at the end of the day this he was paying me money you know he, he flew me over to Germany and so that's an instance where maybe that's almost more fun for me in terms of imp improvising Something I don't often do, so I kind of was out of my element a little bit, and I had a lot of fun, and I was the bad guy. It was weird. I had a lot of people cheering for me. It was hard. You know, it was hard to switch it. Because th th that's so parallel to acting and improv, because, you know, you're, you're always playing a certain character, and now they're asking you to play a different character. What did you learn from that experience? Um... Well, I learned Eddie Steinbach's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. In what way is he crazy? He's in his own. He was in his own world. He really was. But maybe that's fun. Maybe I learned it's fun to be in your own world sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know if it was so much learning. Well, I mean, of course, I. You know, you learn from everything you do. But it was it was a good experience that I needed to do to get myself out of what I usually do. And so, you know, I, I just got an opportunity to play a little differently than I usually do. And you have studied improv. You've taken some classes yes. in comedy sports. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, so I, I was, you know, essentially the first 10 years of my career was trying to get to the WWE. I got there. I got fired from the WWE. And then the first, they had moved me to Louisville. Then they moved me to Tampa. I got fired. And I, I went right back to Chicago. Okay, let's talk about that, and we'll get back to the improv. Okay, you get fired from the WWE. Yes, thanks for rubbing it. <laughs> I, I think you're over it. Are you? <laughs> Not. <laughs> How did you? Yes. Because that was yes. a goal of yours. I yes. have as a professional wrestler. I think you. It's, it's on the par of Saturday Night Live. Correct. Right. And you get fired. Yes. How How did you feel about that? I was devastated. I was devastated. But you know, I had. Before getting to WWE, I had done about eight years on the independent circuit, wrestling everywhere all over the world. So I knew that there would be a home for me post-WWE. The goal and the dream was to be on WrestleManias and Survivor Series and SummerSlams, but it got taken away. So obviously I was devastated. But, you know, the next day, I went to California and I wrestled. Like, I got fired on a Friday, I wrestled on a Saturday in Los Angeles. So I was right back to 
to gigging, you know? So I, it, it was, it was, it obviously hurt me. Like I, I thought of, I knew like in the back of my head, I like, I, honestly, I was like, all right, I can't go back there right away. I probably got to take like two or three years off of trying to get back into the WWE and then try to get back there later. That was kind of the Did you think your career was over? I, I thought for two or three years, it was almost like, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to stagger on the independence for a little bit until in two or three years I can try to go back to the WWE. So I knew that like I had taken a huge dip in my career. Uh, and it, you know Because for so long, I went up, 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 WWE, I got there. And now anything past that, in my mind, was down. So as I was going down, and that's where kind of comedy comes in, I knew I had two, two to, kind of a two to three year window until like, I tried to get back into WWE, maybe, and I knew Chicago was the home of comedy, and I had really implemented a lot of comedy in my stuff, and I wanted to kind of try to, try to jump more into the comedy world with wrestling. And you know, if the wrestling went away, maybe something in comedy could happen, or you know, I could merge those worlds, and if, you know, I could maybe try to make some kind of break in comedy or do comedy or get myself into another world because I knew wrestling for 10 years and now it, it seemed like it, the blanket was pulled from underneath my, you know, like maybe I should also have a, another thing in my belt. And then, so that's when I moved back to Chicago and I started taking classes and I started getting involved with, with Marty Rosa and just kind of entering you know, podcasting and, and just entering those extracurricular worlds, which were all based on com which were all based on comedy. And you also did stand up too. Well, Ish, yeah, I told, <laughs> but I, yeah. So you know, Mick Foley, who is known as uh, you know one of the greatest hardcore wrestlers of all time, and also one of the, he was a New York Times best selling author, and he's do been doing stand up for five years now. Somebody hired him to do a stand up gig. They asked me, known as the funny wrestler guy, hey, do you want to do, do you want to open for him? And at that time, I was like, of course I do. Not, not being a stand-up at all, but I was like, I can tell wrestling jokes to wrestling fans. So I don't, I usually don't say it was stand-up. I say I was just telling wrestling jokes to wrestling fans. You know what I find fascinating talking to you is, and it really parallels to improv. Like you agreed to do this show. We talked before. Uh, I yes and. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but but it seems like, and then you know, like oh, I you know, I, they offered me a stand-up thing. I'll go and do it. Mm -hmm. There's something about you that that is comfortable taking risks and putting yourself out there, which is kind of weird because, you know, it's funny. I, I think, and this this will come back to improvising too. As Colt Cabana, I think I'll do anything. But like as Scott the person, like I'm kind of shy and wouldn't want to do, wouldn't want to put myself out there. But when you put, when you switch and you say this is kind of a career move and you're doing this as a career thing, then yes, I'll do anything. I, uh, I'm not afraid of it. Am I talking to Scott right now? Yeah. Or Cole? <laughs> well, this is a little. This is. Yeah. <laughs> this is I, I mean, I guess do you when, when you go? D d d it's a character, right? For the most part, I mean, it's very much me. Okay, and so, but but me. but I would imagine, like any character, improv character, it's a heightened version of you. Yes. So, can you explain the Colt Cabana character that's a heightened version of Scott? Yeah, funny, outgoing, charismatic. I think everything's kind of a joke if you know if you are, or you can find the funny in everything, uh, and that's kind of the the you know charming. I think I hope. And that's the. It, <laughs> 
And is and, and those those traits that Scott has as well. Yeah, but I, you know, at, at home, like I, I am kind of, you know, I, I, maybe as I get older, like you know, I am kind of shy and not as much of an extrovert, and um, I, I would, I just, I wouldn't put myself out there as much as a real person. <laughs> and that's why it's fun to hide. I guess you know, if you could say, oh, I, you know, I'm the pro wrestler. I'm hiding behind this character. Like I'll do anything. I'm not afraid to. And then I always say, like when it comes to imp to improvising, as Colt Cabana, I feel the most comfortable doing anything. And you know, like when I do the comedy shows with 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 Marty, or when I go to Edinburgh and do you know those shows, or when I'm in the ring, like I'm fearless as Colt Cabana. But if you put like when I was taking classes doing improv and you're just doing regular scenes and nobody knows you so you don't you know and I'm just and that then on top of me being just me and then playing a different character on stage it freaked me the fuck out and I started you know questioning myself which never happened in the ring and will never happen in the ring like I don't really question myself but out of the element as a different person as a different character how do you prepare to get into that character do you just show up now because you've got it? Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it, yeah, it's just me, I guess. Is it easier the, the many the years you've done it? Like, just you can just roll out of bed and it's like I got it. I got a stretch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pull a hammy. Um, and for our listeners, that's a hamstring. Yes. <laughs> The other thing that I have tons of respect, and we were talking a little back, backstage, is how you built this empire. And part of the thing is, you're your own booker, you're your own agent, uh, advertiser, manager, merchandise, all this stuff you do yourself. Mm -hmm. Why is it important? I mean, the level you're at, I mean, you could go out and get people to do this stuff. Well, you say that. I got an agent, an acting agent, they don't give me anything. So, like, everything I've ever gotten is just mine, you know, like... So why is it important for you, or why has it been important for you to do this? Because I have my best interest... The, per the person that has the best interest in me is me. And so you think... I, I always think about these booking agents or these marketers, and they have so many, like, people like, I need to eat, I need to live, I need to survive. You know, they... Somebody else... They're thinking mostly, you know, maybe it's a selfish way of thinking, but like they're thinking they need to eat. And, they, and I'm like, hey, no, you need to think about me most, manager, agent, person. But the, re the reality is they don't. They're thinking about themselves, you know. So, like, I need, I, I, I have, I take on these responsibilities because I'm the one that cares about myself the most. How did you get such, you were a business major, right? Yeah. You, you look at like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that was a put down but how much have you been able to use this in your career yeah I mean I have a, a marketing degree but I always say it's just it's learning on, it's learning on the road everything I know wrestling was my college everything I know and like the, like maybe I'm a little because I come from maybe a nice household and loving household and I have an education like maybe I'm a step above some of the wrestlers you know but everything I learned was from and where do you think you you've got you got this great drive? Oh, uh, maybe maybe my my parents. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what was it about your parents? Well, my dad was a a traveling clothing salesman, and he didn't have a nine to five. And I, I, I even at a young age I realized like every time he sold a pair of Fubu jeans <laughs> or Janko jeans, that's how he got paid. You know, so if he didn't sell. Jenko jeans, 
how could you not in the 1990s though they were hot <laughs> uh, you know and so like I that was something I realized at a very young age so like I realized like I like the idea of like the harder you work the more you get and I said so he that was something that he was doing but, but so how how many hours a week do you think you put into the cold yeah it's a 24 it, I, that's cliche but it's it just and you love it. Yeah, you yeah. love every aspect. It's not like of it. it's not a real job. I mean, I know, <laughs> but you. I would imagine <laughs> you get paid very nicely now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what I've done is I've built up so many different things that pay me so little, or, or so many. I I have so many things that pay me enough that when you add them all up, that's a real job. Does that make sense? Like, there's so many guys out there that get fired from the WWF, and like. They're like, oh, I want $10,000 to wrestle. And so maybe they get hired for three jobs. And if I say, this isn't real, but if I say, oh, I want $5 to wrestle, and I take 1,000 jobs, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's still less than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, maybe it's a little more, but you, you get the idea. Do you still want to get back into the WWE? No, I don't. You, are you really? Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm, if they came calling right now, you would say... I mean, if they give me the sweetest deal of all time. Why is it that you don't want to go back? Because uh, I built my own thing, and I like what I do. I, I, it's, I, I don't have any. I don't have a boss. I don't tell me anyone what to do. There's no stress or pressure on that. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I just like the independent model of it. Do you have more creative and artistic freedom? I have all creative and artistic. Freedom. But when you're with with them. Do you have to? You were like Scott Goldman. Yeah. Did they want you to be a certain way? And there's like twenty, if more than twenty. There's so many middlemen and people telling you where to go, what to do, and everyone has a different way. And if you do it one way, then someone gets mad that you did it this way, and it's just walking on eggshells, and you never know who to please, and you never know what to do, and so that was just like a very frustrating part of that model. And I don't think that'll ever get fixed. You know, it's just the way it is up there. And, you know, those guys probably all make way more money and they're way more famous or whatever it might be and they have more television time. Um, well, I guess everyone has more television time than me when I'm zero. But <laughs> did, did you ever analyze and go, okay, this is probably why I got fired? Uh, you know, what's funny is they, the answer they gave me was creative had nothing for you, which was a stock line that they had. Which uh, What does that mean? That means their creative team that they have... Uh, they couldn't think of anything for me to use. So, or for anything for me to do in WWE. So, I took that, and then Marty DeRosa and I made a, a YouTube series called Creative Has Nothing For You, and we essentially mocked the bullshit answer that they gave me. Creative has nothing for you. So, that's not a real answer. Who, I haven't analyzed it. I mean, there, there's so many different things I could pick apart and take a guess what would you, you you have to oh there was one that the you know i'll say allegedly otherwise i'll probably get sued um that was one reason that one of the the main producer didn't like how i looked didn't think i looked like a star there was another one where allegedly the wrestler that i wrestled on my last night didn't like me uh as a as a person there was another you know there was another one uh where um uh there's another couple there's just a couple different things um and it just, yeah. And like, I never got like a real, real answer, and so I don't let it eat me up. And that's why I've just kind of done And then thing. you did a podcast, an episode of a podcast, where you basically said it, it's fake, right? 
Is that was that right? No, I don't know. Did, did, did I get that wrong? I don't know. I think every podcast I say it's fake. <laughs> I thought you did a podcast where you really went well, after. I did a podcast with, with CM Punk. Yes, that yeah. one. Yes, and that wasn't necessarily fake because I. But but you you kind of what did you do in that episode? Because well, it blew up. Yes, I mean, in in my show I don't necessarily break down the fundamentals of pro wrestling. That's not what it's meant for. It's the show is meant to tell the stories of the wrestlers, how they get involved, the triumphs and tribulations and the struggles and why we do it and what the reason is we do it. And I like I, I like more of the the emotional like emotionally where people are in their career choosing that art of professional wrestling as opposed to hey when a guy punches you you fall and that you know that's not what my show's about so CM Punk is a guy that I trained with and we started in wrestling together and he ended up becoming the biggest and the best wrestler in the world and he had a situation where he wasn't enjoying his job and he there was an outing with them and eventually he came on my show and kind of explained where he was emotionally and mentally and because he was the biggest and best wrestler in the world and and he had left the WWE, or the WWE had left him aside, allegedly. I don't know the story and all this. I have to say allegedly, um, because uh, yeah, they have a, they have a lot of lawyers. Yes, yeah. correct. And so yeah, and so everyone wanted to hear this story, um, and that's the, yeah. And the podcast was listened to by over three million people, and it was just crazy. Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily about if what wrestling is as an art. It was more about this artist in particular. And, and when he goes off and he becomes really famous and you train with him, how did you deal with his success? Was Is there jealousy? No, I loved it. Okay. I, yeah, and like that's... It, I, sometimes I think to myself, like, am I jealous? I am totally jealous. I'm to, Yeah. You're jealous of him. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of anybody. <laughs> you are, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm the worst jealous guy oh, ever. Well, it's nice. It's... But I, I feel if I can speak it, then I can get over it. Of course. You know? Yeah, with it. So you're saying I'm just not speaking. I'm holding it in. I, I don't no. know. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no. I, you seem like you're you're much more together yeah. than I am. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I I was uh, I was I think because I was always happy with where I was at and who I was as a person that uh, that his success it was just like I couldn't believe that my friend was doing that well. It wasn't like I want to be there because I I throughout my career I've enjoyed where I you know like the idea that I'm a pro wrestler and I don't have to do anything else is the greatest to me. That's all. That's maybe the goal was WWE when I started, but once I got into wrestling, and then I was going to college, and then I got a day job, and I was like, man, if I could only just not do any of this and just do wrestling, and I got to the point where I could, it was all. It's just all icing from there. So you know, to be one of my, to be like the Chicago, you know, one of the Chicago guys, like Punk, to go on and be so so successful. To me, it was like I'm so glad it's one of our crew. And not some other guy somewhere else that I don't know, or I don't know how hard that person worked. Okay, we're going to improvise now. Ooh. Yes. How do you feel about it? Well, I, I, I explained a little bit um, where I was at with my improvising. I feel if I could be, I like the idea that we can break down that we're talking about how I feel about okay, improvising, great. as opposed to just cold going out on a stage. Okay. So I like. I think I like that everyone here got to listen to me talk for twenty five minutes. Uh -huh. Knows me a little bit better. Maybe knows some of my insecurities. I didn't get any of your insecurities. <laughs> what are you insecure about? Uh, maybe up beyond the stage one. Okay. I had one. I had okay. one there for you. Do you have another one? <laughs> uh, I, we talked a little bit about body issues. Okay. Yeah, that's in there. So you weren't like a heavy kid. Were I you? was a heavy kid. You're kidding yeah. me. I was a heavy kid too. 
Yeah. <laughs> was that for you listeners at home? Was that hard for you? What was hard for me? Being a, a of course, it's the worst. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what was so bad about it for you? Oh, just getting made fun of, right? Mm -hmm. And then seeing like being in seventh grade and seeing like hot seventh grade dudes get all the girls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because I this is still in my head. I still picture myself as a fat person. Mm -hmm. Do you? Of course, mm -hmm. of course. I, right? I, what do you want? Like, I swam with my shirt on. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take my shirt off uh, in gym class. Like, changing in the gym lockers. Mm -hmm. Like that's. How heavy were you? I was three hundred pounds in when I graduated from high school. Um, God, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, Did you have stretch marks? Because I, <laughs> I, I was so fat. I had stretch marks. I have a little bit on my stomach. I okay. Do, yeah. But it's sweetly covered up by hair, so I'm always... Okay. I really lucked out. I yeah. really lucked out. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say, like, my sophomore year, maybe I got it, but I was, all, I was always doing ath athletics. So I was like always, football player? I, was, I played football, basketball, and uh, baseball. You know, maybe I got up to 250 mm -hmm. in, high, in high school. So, I mean, people are going to be bigger, people are going to be smaller, but, like, I wasn't, like, one... 50 jack, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Your parents must be really great people because you come across as very, there's no neuroses about you, there's confidence. Is that where you think you got it from? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it must be. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure of like who I am. And I always look back, the weird thing is, is like I look back to myself in the 20s too, like in the 20s, back in the 1920s. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. When you, when you fought Andre the Giant. Mm, yes. yes. We're doing a scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in my 20s. And like I, I was pretty confident of like I knew who I was then too, as weird as it is. You know, you always talk about like people in their 20s figuring out who they are. Like I had a pretty good Were they supportive on. of you going yeah. into wrestling? Yes. They, Did they say something like, I don't care if you do it in wrestling, you just be the best? <laughs> Uh, I, my mom was a little more annoying and naggy, but you're close to <laughs> okay. the, yes. Uh, we don't care if you're a garbage man, just gotta be the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, as long as you had, I, she was about stability, I think, so mm -hmm. like, she's like, as long as you can pay the bills. She never thought it was going to be a full-time job. She thought I was going to be a gym teacher. She thought I would like be done with it by 25 or whatever. But, you know, at 23, 24, like I was able to do it full-time and I was just like, I'm going to do this until nobody's paying me anymore, and you know, at thirty-five, it's still going. So. And now they're just—they just accept it, right? Yeah, they, yeah. And their friends are like, what, "Is he still doing the wrestling?" <laughs> and my mom, yeah, my mom and dad—they're like, "This is what he does." Right. They're always like, well, "When's he going to go on to the next step of his life?" It's like, I'm in the industry. This is this is it. This is what I know. Okay, so getting back, we're going to improvise. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a suggestion. Um, how, uh, what do you want to take as a suggestion? What would you like to do? You could just do that? Yes. Uh, I'd like Colt Cabana Wrestling to be the suggestion. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, We're going to ask them for the suggestion. Of course. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, what would I like? Yeah. Do Would you like a, a location, a relationship? Oh, okay. Uh, What's oh. going to make you the most comfortable? I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. You're leading the scene. I okay. know that. Okay, great. I'm the greenhorn. Okay. You're the rook. You're the veteran. Okay. Uh, you're, it's your job to make me look good. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the pressure you is really, on you. You really, you really learned in that class. Yeah. I don't think you, yeah. Well, but, and also I'm, you know, I'm adding the neuroses back onto you. Like, okay. I will not, when, if and when this does tank, yeah. 
It's you. It's on you. Yes. So it's a lot of pressure. It's totally. <laughs> totally. And I don't know if I can I, I, I can hold up to that pressure, but we'll see. We'll see. See, you're pretty okay. confident now. Look at you. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Because yes. Because this right. is what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I like, right? In wrestling, like it's what I do. Like I, yeah. Just oh, you need me to be a bad guy? Oh, change the match? Oh, the match is now twenty minutes instead of five minutes? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I and that, that happens, right? All like at the time, last of course, minute, of course. you can't. It's we we schedule twenty minutes, but you, you only have five. Minutes. Yep. Or we schedule five. You have twenty. Can you do twenty? Of course. Sure. No problem. Okay. So um, uh, okay. So get back to this. Why don't we take um, why don't we take a location? Okay. Okay. Can we have a location that would fit on the stage? A Waffle House. Okay, a Waffle House restaurant. Okay. Okay. Um, can I, right away, you know what I like about this? What? I like that I think we can be sitting in these chairs. <laughs> we, will, we will be sitting in these chairs. That's great. Okay. I feel like, I feel that, yeah, standing okay. up there's, now I'm thinking about standing, like, okay, this now, great. Here. So we're sitting in chairs. We don't want to do a, a whole scene just sitting. Can no. that be done? Yes, it can, it can be done. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're sitting in chairs, okay. and when you think about that Waffle House, yeah. what do you think about in terms of a relationship? Uh, oh, like right away I think I have to play this horrible Southern character. Okay. Do I have to do that? No. <laughs> I think of Southern Waffle House. Okay. So, right, Waffle House comes to mind. I think of, well, I've been in many Waffle Houses. Okay. Um, Shit food. Okay. Just shit. Sorry for a great suggestion. <laughs> right. uh, so why, why do you think these people would be in the Waffle House? Oof, okay. We don't have to answer it now, but think about it. Uh, I don't know. Is that shouldn't we discover that? We will discover that. But I just I wanted to to help you out. All right. Are we ready? No. <laughs> do you need any anything else before we get into this? Oh man. So what what are we going for? We're gonna do like a like a like a three minute scene. I know, but like that's okay. That's what, do you, not, what do you mean? What are we going for? What's the end goal? To get a laugh? No, to discover our relationship. To discover our relationship and why we're here. And let's not worry about being funny. All right. Okay. Okay. I already put our order in. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, say that again. We're going to start again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you a new line, all right? No, same line. Okay, all right. I already put our order in. Did you get me the... I got you the... Got me the what? The bacon. That's not what I wanted. That's what you told me in the car. You said you wanted four orders of bacon. Yes, and I also wanted... <laughs> pancakes. Oh, fuck. I you, said waffles. But you can have... Wait. We, you... I, 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 you, you told me waffles. Whew. All right. We drove to Waffle House. Yeah. I said, I don't want to go to Waffle House because I don't want waffles. And then I said out loud, oh, I can get pancakes. So what part of that made you think I wanted waffles? I wasn't listening. That's <laughs> you know why I'm here? Because you're going to help me ask out Cheryl. Okay. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> Who? Cheryl, the waitress. She, she's at, the, she's at the, the counter now, checking people out. I think, yeah. We're off to a good start, because here's what's, you know, obviously, 
You got me the bacon. Yeah. You got me the waffles. Right. I wanted pancakes. Right. So now she has to come back. That's with right. The that's right. That's right. So I did good, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so bring it back. Right. And I'll say. And what's your plan of attack? My plan of attack? Okay, so like okay. I'll I'll be Sharon in okay. this instance. Okay, cool. Oh, this is working out well. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay, I'm Sharon. She's over there right now. Okay. Don't worry is about it. Is she looking? Right. Hey. No, she's just looking. Okay, okay. I don't want. Okay. Hey, 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 baby. Your, <laughs> your, your waffles and your bacon. Okay, well, uh, my friend Bill over there, he want he wanted pancakes. God damn it, Bill. <laughs> Alright, I'll take these back. Okay, no, she just left. Why didn't you say anything to her? Because you, you told me about the pancakes. <laughs> you well, wanted I mean, pancakes. That obviously wasn't her. That was me. But you fucked up. Okay. Okay. You have to... I, what do I have to do? You gotta be smooth about it. Like, Cheryl, it's not your fault. I love you. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say I love her. I, okay, I got it. Is that it. weird? Yeah, because I, I haven't even asked her out on a date. Right, but you know I've been dumped by my last four girlfriends. I know. I don't know why you're but I, Because me. I think you... Because you, you said that you love them too soon. That's why. Yeah, I think it's a good move. <laughs> Not before People. you ask them out. People. You left messages on their machine and saying, Hey, I love you. And by the way, what are you doing Thursday? Let's go out for coffee. <laughs> People love to be loved. <laughs> Bill, it didn't work. Why am I taking advice from you? <laughs> well, I have had sex once. <laughs> Which is one more time than you. And... How was it? I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> really? Yeah. You had four girlfriends, you had sex once, and you're pretty good at it. Well, how many times have you had sex? Um, right. Yes. <laughs> so... I'm not going to talk about it at the table in front in a restaurant in a Waffle House. Oh, people Waffle House—they're the grossest people in the world. Bill, Bill, watch what you say. People can hear. The people at Waffle House Bill, are the grossest Bill, people. Bill, 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 please. What if Cheryl heard that? Cheryl's not the classiest of all. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, man. How many times did I know Angie there? No, and me. I thought you did a great job. Did I? Well, I think you, you found out what the game was. It was a very simple game. It was a, a status game. I was low status. You were high status. You were the guy who knew what was going on. Neither one of these guys really knew what was going <laughs> on. And then you knew it was, okay, well, let's do a role play thing. Let's get him, to, you know, to, to ask out Cheryl. Ooh. It seemed at one point when I was watching you yeah. that you once you got into the role playing thing, what was going on, you you clicked and you were you were just there. Was that right, or yeah, were you yeah. lost through the well, whole obviously thing? Obviously, man, in the beginning, I don't know. Like I'm just thinking of like where where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? And like so, obviously that wasn't Colt, right? Right. Yeah. Like now I'm like okay, I'm playing this character. I'm saying these words. I'm just spitting shit out. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm following you, and I felt myself denying you right away with the We're, waffles and the pancakes and the bacon. Okay. And, like, half of me is not even listening to you. Like, I am listening to you, but, like, I realize how important it is to listen to you. Mm -hmm. I think, like, after, like, I think the first sentence I didn't even listen, I was like, fuck, I better, <laughs> wait, I got to remember what he said. 
because um, I know the importance of listening, and like it's the same in wrestling of like we have to know what's going on and we have to know the story that's being built. But yeah, for this, I think I realized that right away. But like now, all of a sudden, I'm just talking to myself and I'm doing the mechanics, whereas it's just. Were you lost through the whole thing? No. Okay. I wasn't lost, but I'm just like, what am I? What are we? What am I going for here? Make sense? Yeah. How is that different than wrestling when you do a match? Because I know I'm going for the, I know I'm going for the ending. I know I'm going for either good triumphs over evil. I know I'm going or evil triumphs over good. There's like a definitive, um, you know, a definitive answer or definitive goal of, of what I'm trying to get to. And I know it. Maybe that's scary because I do so much improv in wrestling. Yes. But I know this guy wins, this guy loses. And the fun of it is to hit, is to just play, 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 play in the middle till we get there. Whereas, and I'm just discovering this right now, you know, I think, is there is, there is no, maybe there is a goal in the scene, but there's, we don't have a, defin a definitive ending, correct? Yes, we do not scene. have, no, yes, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, and I think that's very scary. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, for me, in the art that I do. And I would assume... You know, maybe a so an amateur improviser, if you will, an amateur stage improviser, mm -hmm. not to be confused with a professional ring wrestler, mm -hmm. improviser. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what scared me is there's conversation about bacon. Then I get that you're going to the girl, um, and then like I'm praying that some girl comes in from off the from off the stage to help our scene. <laughs> well, that probably wasn't a good choice on my part because it's all—it's usually more interesting when it's about our relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that that probably threw, you know, I, I panicked and wanted to create <laughs> something there. And prom, in, in starting with the bacon thing, yeah. probably wasn't the strongest choice on, on my part because now we're going to talk about bacon and we've got to get through that transaction. Right, you know? especially because then I was like, in my mind, it's like, oh, bacon... And then, like, oh, well, how am I going to make this interesting? Wa waffles. Right. Bag cakes. But that, at the, end, at the end of the day, that means nothing, right? We don't right. Wanna... I mean, a stronger choice might have been, like, oh, my God, you know, congratulations, Bill. I can't believe we're getting married in ten minutes. Ten? Yeah. What would I do right now? Hold on. Me? Ten minutes? Should I leave? Should I, uh, I should probably go. But why am I here? Then I'm establishing why I'm here. Well, just... Okay, if I said, oh, I should probably go... And marry her. Yeah, well, you're going to go and marry her, okay? But the, the, well, I'll take you to the church. I know you're nervous. I'm too nervous. I, I, she's a great girl, okay? I'm going to go and marry her. I know, I know, I know. You're going to marry her. We're, that's going to happen, okay? we, we got to finish our breakfast and put... Everything's going to be fine. Did you get me the bacon and the waffles? I, they're taken care of. They're taken care of, okay? <laughs> oh, back to us. Oh. I don't know. Then what? We, we got to build something here. We are. We're building something. Do you have now. a goal? I, do you have something in your? I don't. Uh, no. You don't. You're just going. On. I. Here's what I know. At yeah. the beginning of the thing, you said we got to get married in ten minutes. Yeah. And I'm saying, don't worry about it. So now I'm giving you the. This guy's nervous and he wants to get married in ten minutes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm saying I'm. I'm going to go. I know you're pulling me back in. Yes. Okay. And just stay in that relationship and see where that goes. But don't I have to find an answer? Like, I have to find the answer of why you're pulling me back in, right? Not necessarily. No. That's what my mind's thinking. You just need to stay moment to moment to moment. Yeah. That's I'm, where that's going to lead us. Why do... 
So <laughs> I want to know where are you. Okay, you're pulling me back in. Yes. Yes. Okay. I want to go get married. Don't worry about it. I've got the ring. It'll be fine. Okay, then I'm gonna go. That's me being awful, but I want to know how this goes. Me from that, I'm gonna go. I'm leaving to go marry her. I know we're gonna. The ceremony is in ten <laughs> minutes. So I should probably go and at least do some jumping jacks, get shit going, get the blood. Yeah, we'll do the bit. jumping jacks. I planned it out. We'll do the jumping jacks when we get to the church. You're gonna run to the church. It's a mile and a half. Why are you keeping me here, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes, I'm going to go get married. I know. I'm in the wedding party. I'm your best man, Bill. <laughs> Frankie. Yes. Then I'm going. No, I want to tell you something. You're not into me, are you? No, I'm not into you. <laughs> You're not into Cheryl, my wife. I'm not into Cheryl. I just wanted to give you a little advice before, you know, I've been married four times, I, right? right? How many times have you had sex? I've had sex. <laughs> I've got to check my phone. Okay, as of yesterday, uh, 189 times. Ooh. Yes. So with he, the four, 189 women, or, or with the four wives? I look. We can do the math after the ceremony. Okay. Here's the thing, and I wanted to say this to you. Okay. Whatever you do in this marriage. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you say to her every day that you love Fuck her. Fuck you. Oh. I love you. Fuck you. <laughs> I thought it keeps the tension. <laughs> no, that's... Sexual. I learned that in the first two marriages. You don't say that. Okay? You're going to say, I love you every day. And you're going to say one thing you appreciate that she does for you. Can you do that? Can I practice right now? Practice right now. We've got eight minutes. Okay. <laughs> Cheryl? Yes? I love you. Okay. And I love how you love that I have hair that covers up my stretch marks on my stomach. Okay. You're going to want to say something about her. <laughs> Cheryl? Yes? I love you. And I love how you are so okay with your body that you love the hair on my stretch <laughs> Okay, great. Scene. Yeah. Now, what was different between the, the, the first time and this time? Because you were having so much fun. You, weren't, you were reacting. You were really listening. What was the difference for you? Uh, I felt clocked in. I felt checked in. Mm -hmm. And I felt relaxed. Right. And, um, God, I don't know. How did you let go of... Good versus evil. This is the end. Either I win or I lose in in the improv scene. Because that's what was getting in your way. I, you know what it was? I think because you slowed it down. Okay. I think the slow. So my my brain, which has been bashed with chairs so many times over the years, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you were so slow, it allowed me to get slow, and maybe that allowed me to get relaxed also. Okay. Uh, and because yeah, it wasn't so much bacon, chew, me, and then me rushing with answers. And essentially, I was able to listen, take it in, and. Right. Yeah. Well, I was pro I was more comfortable too. I think the first one I was like, oh, I gotta get something out. I gotta I gotta I gotta help cult out here and stuff like that. So that was great. So we're gonna take some questions and answers sure. from the audience. We got a lot of your fans. Also, here. that was yeah. Yeah, I love that we went back to it, and we did a second one, and I, and that was great. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, uh, a question for cult or what we just did. 
Yeah, right here. Uh, uh, you, you've uh, you, you developed like your, uh, your 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 business in like lots of different like income flows and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. What like what's do you have like a what's like your daily routine or, or something that you do to either develop or grow? I guess. Well, I mean, I know. So listen, I know I have um, I have my projects. Like I, you know, I, so I think to myself, what do I have? Wrestling on the weekend, my podcast, YouTube show. Uh, the, the wrestling documentaries I want to make. Um, uh, there's a, you know a, a merchandise. So let's add eight you know so eight irons in the fire. Like my day is well I know the weekends maybe Friday Saturday Sunday I'm gonna wrestle uh, and then I have those things to kind of concentrate on and like I kind of delegate delegate or delegate uh, my time <laughs> to to those. But I know I have those things and I want to pay attention to those. So it's almost like, you know, I, whether it's one day of the week or whether it's an hour of the week, I want to make sure I pay attention to that to either grow. Like, how am I making this better? You know, whether it's just editing, you know, self-editing, you know, learning how to self-edit, learning how to Photoshop. Like, I've learned, you know, like, self-teaching all these skills, watching these YouTube tutorials. Like, you know, like, instead of just sitting on the couch and doing nothing, you just... Uh, like, how am I going to make myself better to make my products better or my projects better? And so that, those are my days. And, you know, I wake up, I, you know, I know I got to hit the gym every day. I know I got to, you know, make meals. And then for me, when I'm not wrestling, it's like, what can I focus on to make, to make one of these projects better or one of these income flows better or whatnot? And then, like, you know, the, you know, I was saying to you back there, like, the, the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook and all that stuff, like, I don't let allow that... That's a big part of the job. It's a big part of the you know your career, but you can't be obsessed about your numbers growing or your numbers getting better. Like you just have to enjoy doing that. And so, and what happens with anything, I think, and this is like one of the keys to my success, is that I just enjoy doing it so much, and then people see that enjoyment and want to be on the bandwagon. You know, they want to be part of the team. So like, I'm not like I'm gonna tweet this so I can and retweet this so I can get. 4.3 extra followers, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm going to, like, this makes me laugh, I'm going to do this, and then I know like-minded people will think that's also funny, and they'll be like, this is a good guy I want to follow, or this is somebody I want to contribute to, or this is somebody I want to, you know, be with as a fan, uh, and then that's kind of, that's how, that's how I grow everything. But how, you know, I know for me, like, I'll get to the point where I'll get, you know, you'll get burnt out doing the social media and mm -hmm. stuff like that. How do you? I'm sure you do get burnt well, out sometimes. No, and how do you? How do you? How do you? I don't let myself get burnt out. That's like the key to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't like. I, I just don't look at social media as like something that's uh, a burden. I just look at it like it's something fun to do. And that's kind of like I just don't let it burn me out. Sometimes I'm, you know, maybe when I'm traveling and I'm on an airplane and I'm wrestling. You know, and I'm going a long trip, and I'm, that can burn me out, because that's you know, cross. There's been so many times where I've, you know, I don't know. Last year, I, I did two, two weeks in England. I got home for one day. I went right back to Japan for three months or for three weeks. Came right back. Had two days off, and then went on like, and then went to New York, San Francisco, Texas, and like that's like a normal thing for me, and that can burn me out a little bit. But then I just think, you know, all I do is step back and go. Wait, that's the greatest thing ever. I'm not sitting in the cubicle. I'm, you know, like. This but is it, but you have to do stuff to let off steam and have fun and stuff, you know, like, do, or are you, are you working all the time? But working's fun for me, mm -hmm. and then and implementing myself in the comedy world too, and, and that kind of stuff. Like that's just 
to me, that's fun. Being creative is fun. So, like, yeah, I guess, like, going in the ring and wrestling is the job, but just doing all this other stuff is is my fun. And then also, it, also I grow, because of it, I grow as a performer and as an artist because it's the arts, you know? So, like, any, anytime you implement, anytime you, like, immerse yourself in any kind of that thing, you know, something has to be taken away. I don't know exactly what it is, and, like, usually, you know, like, I just know when I go to Edinburgh every August and I watch... Uh, you know, 75 shows in a month. Like, I do my show, but I watch 75 shows a month. Like, I, I don't know what the inspiration is, but I know I'm being inspired, and I know I'm, I'm seeing people do awesome stuff. And and you're an artist in the ring. Yes, 100%. How did you get to that point? Uh, I, I think it was, the, it was the point where I had learned the fundamentals of the wrestling, and then I, 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 you really, really realize what you're doing out there. Some people still, you know... It's, you can look at it however you want, but like I realize that I am emotionally taking, I'm taking fans on an emotional roller coaster, and and I can I can make them laugh and I can make them cheer and I can make them smile and I can make them cry with what I do. And like when I really realize that, and I me personally, I like to make them laugh more than I like to make them cry. But like I, I when I realize I have the ability to do that, and I can you know what however I do it, like I realize that that's that that's art. You know, t taking those people's emotions and moving it towards smiling. Right. It's case. theater. It's improv. Mm -hmm. It's the whole thing. Another question, right here. Yeah. Uh, in in comedy, there's like these, these comedy theories, and, and you can break it down mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, but in in wrestling, all that stuff is is very protected. Uh, how it works and yeah. stuff like that. Now with stuff like uh, with with total divas and and these podcasts like your podcast and Jericho's podcast that that tell like road stories and stuff mm -hmm. and and kind of like break kayfabe to mm -hmm. a degree open the open the fourth door wall yeah right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, like, break the fourth wall that's yeah oh uh, where where do you stand in all that and where, where do you find yourself with yeah. breaking kayfabe well I think I like I think it's something I did like bring for people that don't know okay. there are people telling. What the secrets They're of wrestling? Secrets, yeah. Okay. And trade secrets. And it's yes. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's so it's so weird because wrestling is so weird because it's so it's you know in the forties and fifties or whatever it might be like the the wrestlers protected at all lengths. There was a guy named Nikita Koloff who was from Atlanta in the nineteen eighties and just he pretended to be Russian for five years. Like he left his house and he talked like he even his like he would only talk like in a Russian accent like he was protected. He was method. Country. He was very <laughs> method. Yeah. yeah, the most method. And I, I said I don't really think about it that way, but yeah, like in, if if anyone caught him not speaking a Russian accent, he'd get fired from his job as a wrestler. And no one would dare say that this is fake and this is that this is planned out or no. any of that. And some people tried to for a buck, mm -hmm. you know, in the, like the seventies and eighties, right. and they were kind of ostracized right. from wrestling. Yes. And so, like I said, like my. There is a part of me that wants to protect, like I, I look at it almost like as a magic show, whereas like we know what it is, but it's not fun if we just say here's here's everything, because then the illusions are kind of gone. So that's why I, I I to my best try to make my show more about the struggles of the people and less about the uh, the openness of what it really is. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to condemn anyone for doing anything. Because it's, I mean, especially since the internet's there, it's all, I mean, that's how, like, everything, can, it's exposed to everybody. So, 
I kind of see that it is what it is. But I'm not usually. I'm not going to be that one. I try not to be that one who really, really tells like all the trade secrets. Like, does that help wrestling? I don't know. I think it's such a. It could. It could. Could not. You know. Like it, it could draw people. I don't have the answer to that one. Yeah, like you know. My guess is you don't like it. You don't like people saying, "This is how it is." I don't like. I don't like, just people straight up, which is weird because I did a little, you know, kind of on this, but I felt like right. I was getting asked and I wanted right, to give right. a good enough answer. But I just think it takes the fun out of it a little bit if you're watching the show. You know, if you're watching the show, it takes the fun out of it if you know everything. But some people. That's the reason they like wrestling because they like to watch to see if they can find that ans- that reason why that happened. They could they there's a show called Bacha Mania on YouTube. It's very popular mm-hmm. and it's just people fucking up. <laughs> like people enjoy watching wrestling just to watch people fuck up. Like like how would they fuck up? Just they maybe they go to hit the ropes and they fall through the ropes. Right, or they go to slug someone and it's so obvious. And they, and they whiff. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And then people love that. Right. That's a reason why some people love. And I by the way I love that. YouTube series. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious. But, you know, that's not... I don't... Well, maybe, maybe at this point in my life it is the reason why I like wrestling. It, it would be so interesting to, in the, this is... We'd have to create, like, a machine or a virtual... To watch wrestling through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure you're watching it for different... Like, yes. oh, that person emotionally should be going this way. Or, you know, I don't know if I'd do that move here. Is I And I like talking... Because it, it happened for me. And... Like, I just watch in such a different way once you start training. And I like talking to people, like, trainees or young guys just getting into wrestling and, like, letting them know, like, you have to watch wrestling now. You can't watch wrestling. Like, you, like if you want to get into this job and you want to be successful, you can't watch it just as a fan anymore. You have to watch and see, you know, when we practice, and you tell me if it's the same as, like, you know, maybe watching sketch shows or watching improv shows, it, it, I'm like, you have to watch how these guys do these little things. You have to watch how Randy Orton moves with his, you know, with his legs or how, you know, John Cena sells. Or That's how you can't watch it as a fan. You have to watch it saying, oh, I see how he did that, why he did that. Now I can implement that into my career. It is so true for improv. You have to watch it. And that's part of the learning. And I think today a lot of people, they discount that. They'd rather... They're running off to shows or another class, but really it's a huge part of the education to watch other improvisers, especially really good teams, and, and p- pick it apart. And, but it takes away the love of why you loved wrestling, but then all of a sudden you love wrestling for a different reason. So the, the love of the re- you can't love wrestling, and I said, I said, you can't love wrestling for the reasons that you loved it as a kid, but now because you've, you've paid and you've learned all these secrets, but now you love it for a different reason. So the love wrestling is still there, but it's a completely different love once you've jumped into the industry. It's become a passion or an avocation, right? It's a job, right? Right. I mean, you know, it's the best job, but mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's 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 just looked at completely different as a fan and as a wrestler. You know, you said uh, you got people hit you with chairs, and you know, did have you ever gotten hurt, or are you worried like, oh, you know, I'm gonna. Sure. Get brain damage or get concussion. Yeah, I've changed my style a lot over the years, and that's part of the for comedy. safety. For safety, mm-hmm. uh, and that's part of, and longevity, mm-hmm. and that's part of the comedy reason. It's not not a lot. I mean, I, I enjoy I, when I'm out there and you're just like, "Cold, do whatever you want." I'll go to comedy first in the wrestling ring, and um, so that's what I like the most. But also, uh, I'm able to people the way wrestlers entertain fans. 
um, some people there's like hardcore wrestling, and the way that people love them is because they get hit with barbed wire. They you know are they really getting hit with that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, you know, I you mean, know, I, they, there's some tricks to the trade, right? right but but I mean, it's it's dangerous. It's great, yeah. It's okay, pretty, it's pretty wild. Okay, and you can look on YouTube and you can see these guys bleeding all over the place, and that's, and that's real blood. blood. Yes, okay. it's their blood, and like it's not it's not you know the reality is they don't have to go to the paramedics. Like you would think, if you saw that person getting out of a car, you'd be like, "That that person will die in ten seconds." Right. You know, but you know, these people will just do that same thing the next day. And those right. are the tricks of the trade that you, we shouldn't expose because that's why those people are popular. Right. You know, and then their popularity will go away. But for me, it's so that's the style they choose. You know, I've chosen the style of of humor mm -hmm. to make me popular. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, but the injuries, sure, I've had. Uh, younger, you know, I my my back constantly hurt, my, my neck constantly hurt, hurts. But the reality is, is that uh, this is the only body that I know, so I don't know what it's like to be in someone who has a a non pain free. Like I've gotten used to it, I know what it is. This is what I live with, mm -hmm. and I can continue going on. Great. Let's take one more question, right over here. Yeah, you talked about like how you turned heel for that one guy. Mm -hmm. um, Eddie Steinbach? Yeah. Uh, I was just kind of curious because especially like your face, you're used to kind of like in your own world and you kind of already have this character built. What was like, I'm sure it made you appreciate being a face in that in that way too. What are the, like the pros and cons of being a face versus being a heel? Like what is your favorite thing about, you know, having to play the heel? What's your favorite thing about having to play mm -hmm. the face? Or what are like the disadvantages or the challenges that you saw like having to make that character flip is face and heel good guy bad guy yeah i was gonna okay. say for, okay. for those yes the uninitiated yeah baby face is a good guy these are terms mm -hmm. and uh heel is a as a bad guy which is funny because back in, these were these were terms that weren't used and now because everything's so out in the open now these are just commonly used terms right. but it, it, these used to just be secret words mm -hmm. for the wrestlers you know um i originally i i, I like to play baby face this i guess in, i don't I think of it in this way, but like marketing terms, like in order to make a living, like I needed to sell T-shirts and I needed to be likable. And I like if you, I need you to like me, so you could, you know, you want to listen to the podcast and you want to watch my stuff. If you hate, like if I'm a really good heel, uh, I'm gonna make you hate me. And then, in this day and age, if I really, really wanted to do, do my job in the WWE, you could really, really make someone hate you, and it's fine because you get that paycheck every week. So it's, you know, WWE gives you that paycheck. But if I really, really make you hate me, like, I'll get an independent, I'll get a payday from, from a promoter to have me on the show, but I, I won't get the extra money from a T-shirt or a support or otherwise. Uh, so it's, like, hard to sacrifice being a bad guy, whereas being a good guy, then that's kind of where the marketing, I guess, comes were you, from. Would you get a ton of money when you were at the WWE? Not me. But right. The, the top guys do. Okay, yeah. millions of dollars? Yes. Okay. The, the the better ones. Okay. Yeah, it, I was literally the worst wrestler there. <laughs> so is it like like kind of like uh, like baseball? There's like a minimum mm -hmm. that you come in on, you know, and yes. then from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> and some of those top guys make just amazing money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, I looked at it as so that's what I liked as a as a baby face, and also I like I like being liked. Like you know, I guess that's the neurosis coming out. Like right. who, who wants to be hated? Well, well but it's, it's like doing any sort of comedy. We we want to be liked yeah. by the audience. Yeah, I want. I want. Like if I do my job really well, I, I know in this day and age, some people will appreciate as a heel. Some people will like appreciate it. But if you do it really really well, like you'll go back and I like to look at my social media, and people will probably 
bash me and hate me, and they do that now, even as a good guy. So, like, I can only imagine. What do they say to a good guy? How well, do they bash I, you? Listen, they, everybody hates everybody. That's just, mm. that's how it works. <laughs> the more followers you get, the more haters yes, you get, too. I just, I'm, I just want to prepare for my career. Get ready. The more, the more followers, the more haters you're yes. going to get. But also the more likers, too, or not? Yeah, but I like how you put it all out there, too. You let them know about your body issues. You let them know about your neuros. You let mm. them know about that. I'm a big fan. Like, I like to put it all out there. Like, not put all, like... But, like, if you put it out there, then they can't start ripping on you about it. Because, like, well, it's... Well, I put it out there because I, in, because they can identify, too. It's things people don't want to talk about. Oh. See, I, to me, it's more of a defense mechanism, I think. Well, that's probably because we were fat kids. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, did you make... I always made fun of myself being fat yes. so people couldn't... Did you do the same? Uh, no, maybe not. But in that same thing, I talk about... I've talked about this, too, is... I make fun of my WWE run, so people, so when people make fun of me, it's like, yeah, I do that all the time. Like, I make fun of Scotty Goldman, the character. I say he's the worst ever. Like, I just did two, you know. Right. I make those jokes. Self-deprecation. Yeah, so maybe it has to do a lot with the Judaism, too, but, like, the culture, right? But, right. like, I throw it out there. I wanted to throw it out there first. So people wouldn't come at me hard with it. That was my defense mechanism. All right, we got to wrap this up. This has been great. And we end the podcast the same way each time with the last question is, what, would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody to go into improv or comedy today? Um, well, um, I think the, the, the best, the, the thing that assured me the most when I took those improv classes... Uh, that I took back with me to wrestling that I really believed in I don't think I knew it until I, I started getting into improvising was commitment it was like just straight up be like commit to the bit commit to you know and like I said as Cole Cabana like I commit hard and like in terms of risks like I commit I commit I commit uh, I when I go through the eight when I go through the you know when I go through uh, what's that called the curtain the curtain thank you <laughs> uh, when I go through the curtain like, there's no, I'm not pretending to be somebody. I am me. You know, I commit hard. So, like, that's my advice. I don't know if it's to getting into or just, like, get ready to commit to everything. So, like, just know how hard you have to commit. And you're talking about the, the, the marketing part, the self-promotion part, everything. I, but I think more in, in terms of the, um, the actual performing the performance aspect of it. I think I'm successful now because I'm so confident when I'm out there because I'm committing hard. So like, it, it, it's as easy as that first impress sketch we did, mm -hmm. scene we did, to the second one. You know, like I felt like once you got me in there, like the commit, the amount of commitment I did, and, and it's not gonna come overnight, but just, and that maybe that's another thing, is like, it's not gonna come overnight, I'll throw that out there too. Okay. It, it won't come overnight. You have to put years and years and years into it. And the people that you see who are successful in wrestling or who are successful in improv, uh, they, they didn't just show up and they didn't just become successful at it. Like they put years and years and hours and hours uh, into the work. And you just slowly, you slowly go up this curve. Like it's just such a gradual thing. So like get into it and be prepared for a, a slow, gradual climb. Great. Thank you so much. I'm here Coach Cabana. Okay, I am spent. I am spent. I am spent. I'm a spent. But that was a great episode. And I want to thank my guest, Colt Cabana. And if you want to check out his website, it is great. 
go to coltcabana.com. It's called The Art of Wrestling. On anything cult, in terms of his merchandise, his upcoming shows, check out his website, coltcabana.com. Uh, I loved having to, I loved that we repeated that, the, the improv over, and it's, it taught me a lesson. Trust my instincts, slow it down. I just was like nervous. It's great when I can learn something, isn't it? Because <laughs> I need a lot of learning. Uh, I still need to learn. Uh, I'd like to thank our uh, home base here, the people that treat us like such rock stars. That's Stage 773 here in Chicago. Also, my producer, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes me sound so slick and so professional. If it wasn't for Dan, you wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. For more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning improv classes and workshops, go to my website, jimmycorain.com, and also sign up for my Improv Nerd blog. You can also buy t-shirts and books and anything Jimmy is on my website. Also, follow us on social media, uh, Improv Nerd, our Facebook page. Like us, because it really helps with my low self-esteem. Follow us on Twitter, Improv underscore Nerd, and then check out our wonderful YouTube channel, Improv Nerd Podcast, where you'll see little clips from our live shows. We're also lucky enough to be part of a podcast collective called Feral Audio. So check out all the wonderful and unique podcasts on feralaudio.com. I want to thank our sponsor today, Improvaru, Camp Improvaru. For more information, go to postdinnerconvo.com slash Improvaru. And of course, I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Young. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. (laughs) Suicide Buddies. (laughs) That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons... It's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. He's Like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> 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 That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a rich, I don't know what you want from me. And uh, my, and my a, girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs> 